0: I didn't know who it was, I didn't, I not heard the track, I had not anything. I didn't even know it was with Wiz at this point. So, came to the studio, walked in, and it was all dark, and I saw a couple of brothers in the room, so I'm just going around saying hello, 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 hello. I sat down now, I looked up, I was like, wait, bro, that's Wizkid. <laughs> and I was just like, mad. And then, yeah, PJ said, to you, all right, let me hear the beat, I heard the beat, and I was like, okay, cool, we're in. And that was Money and Love, um, the first track on was his album. Probably a month later, PJ said, come back, because he wanted me to do another. Um, record some more on another track on the Frames. So I'm on the first track of his album and the last track of his album. Um, and yeah, man, that's, is it's a crazy moment, man.
1: Mr. Ife, how are you today? I'm good, thank you very much, man. How yeah. are you guys? I'm good, I'm good, man. Thank you for coming down to the podcast once again. Thank you, man. Now it's good to be here, honestly. No, it's good to have you, man. Good to have you. Yeah. Now, let me tell you a quick little story, yeah? Okay. So, it's not a massive story. It's, like, it's a sad <laughs> little story, but... When I first came across you, mm. um, I can't remember how it was like, mean, we probably your socials or something. I can't remember exactly how. Okay. But I came across you first and I was looking to see your background. I saw your musician, yeah. um, the band, and, you know, some of the accolades. And I thought, All right, cool, this yeah. guy's going to be sick. But we haven't had, like, a jazz, someone that specializes in that particular yeah, that sound, goes. you know, yeah. in the music, um, in the, on the podcast yet. Yeah, so I thought, cool, it'll be perfect. Yeah, so, you know, so I reached out to you, you know, we've made it happen. We're here mm-hmm. now. Yeah, And then we more recently, so, maybe like a week ago, I was on Spotify. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a music man. So okay. I'm, I'm always trying to discover new music. Okay. Like so my so wife so. will tell you, I'm listen, I listen to like a bit of everything. Yeah. Like, and sometimes, you know, when you go to Spotify, you can listen to the, the radio, like the, the yeah, radio. Say, listen, So, yeah, yeah I went into like some jazz radio channel, just listening, listening. I discovered one tune. You know, I'm like, this is nice. This okay. is nice. I created a whole new um, playlist, Contemporary Jazz. Oh, man. I did it to the playlist. Yeah? <laughs> I'm like, cool, this is sick. Then, like very recently, like two, three days ago, when I'm now looking into into a bit more detail to prepare for this. Okay, um, I realized. Wait, I said, "Wait, this guy is part of Ezra Collective."
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
1: that's that's the song. Added out the first song I added to my new oh, playlist. Mad. ego oh. killer.
0: Okay, Either okay, six 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 That's a
1: tune, man. Yeah, like, nah, I, man. I didn't even know. I didn't yeah. clock until I knew, like, your background very generally. When I started, oh, we
0: oh, you know Ezra. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I didn't that's know much. that
1: part, and I was like, oh and my god, that's a gosh. big part
0: of it as well. <laughs> so I'm, like,
1: I'm a new school fan. Oh, it's good that came about,
0: man. <laughs> yeah, now nah, yeah. nah, that yeah, Ezra, Ezra is, is a massive part of my life. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. When when I was looking into it, it looks it looks like it is. Yeah, man. You we guys, actually
0: just finished touring like like two, three weeks ago.
1: And you got Glastonbury this year as well.
0: Yeah, we got. Yeah, we're starting preparing for that soon. We've got a couple of other festivals like Cross the Tracks. Um, we're doing some other ones. I can't remember the top of my head, but yeah, we've got quite a few festivals this year.
1: What was the? You've done. I saw you've done. I think I saw some highlights from 2019.
0: Yeah, yeah, like,
1: yeah. Can we? When was the first time you done like a, a festival?
0: Oh, with Ezra.
1: Yeah. Well, with Ezra, uh, with Ezra maybe as an individual as well. Then.
0: Um, I can't even remember the first one I did <laughs> yeah. as an individual. The first one with Ezra. I don't even remember what... No, I do actually remember. It would have been 2019 All Points East Festival in Victoria Park.
1: Right, Yeah, right. so that,
0: that was a big one. It was just like, rah, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was fun, man. It was fun. How and, was yeah. it? What was the feeling? Um, It was mad because we had just finished doing, like, a North American tour in, like, March um, of 2019. And then we came back, had a bit of downtime, and then it was festival season, so All Points East must have been around, what, May, June? May, probably May time. Um, and it was just, like, mad to go from, like, you know, doing the venues to now doing this massive, like, park. It's just, like, and like taking the, t- t- taking the same music, but you've got to now play it in much bigger, you know, format. And it's just, like, you see the amount of people there. They're all vibing to the music. It's just, like, you know, sometimes on stage, they all do, like, little sardines in the crowd. It's mad. <laughs> but it's, like, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to see all the people just enjoying the music. So, yeah, man, it was an like,
1: overwhelming feeling. Do, do people take it in the same way? um feel i feel like,
0: like i feel like festivals always people are you know they're easier to get them going kind of thing like they, they, when people come to festivals they're just there to have a good time and let this you know i don't know if it's the alcohol or whatever but everyone's just there for a good time but <laughs> <The alcohol laughs> so just, whatever else yeah is honestly maybe it's the sun maybe it's the alcohol i don't know but <laughs> everyone's there ready to dance and going but when it's like headline shows sometimes it's a bit more like okay you know, you guys are allowed to dance, you know. like you got to, like, fire it yeah. Because sometimes,
1: actually, when you watch some artists, you know, or some bands will have, like, a hype man on stage. Yeah, exactly. His, his job is just to get the crowd yeah,
0: going. Yeah, yeah, I've been told, I, I think I'm the undesignated hype man. Like, <laughs> I don't know when I When I started playing with Ezra, I just, I don't know, I just had mad energy all the time. So I was just always jumping around on stage. So mm. it kind of just, like, yeah, that kind of fed into the crowd. And, yeah, man. But Ezra, Ezra's... Ez is big on like letting people dance, letting people be free. You know, I sometimes in, during the set we're like, "Don't watch us, don't look at us on stage. Look at each other and dance. Don't even watch <laughs> us. Like just just enjoy yourself, because it's if you guys have a good time, we have a good time. Everyone has a good time."
1: You no, know, when you when you mentioned that, I like, don't look at us, just look at yourselves and dance. Yeah, I had this image pops into my head of Soul Train.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah bro, it's, it's serious. It's like because you know we're all on stage vibing with each other, having a good time, and then everyone's just there, just staring at us. It's like no man, enjoy yourself. Like <laughs> yeah, it's a party yeah. at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. So but that's when, what you, when you watch them, soul train, I know it's a different like, genre of music. And but when mm. you watch the, them shows, like there's one that me and my wife watched, watched a few times, the Marvin Gaye one. Yeah, and he's there, he's just like doing his thing, and everyone's yeah. just in the crowd, you know, yeah, with each other, enjoying
0: exactly having a good time. That's how it should be, though. It's just like you know, there's live music as well, but you know, everyone's there to enjoy themselves, so yeah, yeah, everyone should just literally let loose
1: and just enjoy themselves. Yeah. Man. The, the festival thing, yeah, how does that happen? Do you just wake up to an email or something?
0: Um, so. I guess how it happens usually is like, so a band or artist will have a booking agent. So your booking agent, essentially they have links and they'll go and basically put in offers for you to do shows. Um, so whoever contacts, oh, we've just got a booking offer from this festival or this festival. They want you to come and play in Europe or in, you know, somewhere in Bristol or whatever, or Glastonbury's, ask you to come and play. So then you get the offer. Once the offer's come through and they all been settled, then, you know, You'll get your slot and whatever, and then you go to the festival and you just go and kill it and have a good time, man. That's nice. So right? yeah, man. I love festival season is like my best, my favorite time of being a musician. Honestly, it's just the best thing. Like it's just like the sounds good. You no, know, yeah. open field, just do what you want to do. And it's just like, and there's, there's so many different artists as well. There, so you get meet you get to meet so many people when you're at oh, festival. There's
1: that networking aspect as well. Isn't
0: yeah, it? but it's like it's like cool networking. It's like yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like networking but oh we're gonna go watch Eric, Erica Badu or oh, Kano's playing on that stage or mm. Gets is playing there or you know Skepta's playing there but you know then we all have this one backstage area where everyone's at you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's always nice it's always nice to just be around you know like creatives with a like minded you know um, yeah sense to them it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nice that's sick man yeah. let's uh, take it back a bit yeah, yeah. Um, when did music start for you
0: <laughs> the second day I was born. <laughs> um yeah, my mum got me into music when I was young, like I think like I think like three years old or something like that. Like you know that when you're young, everyone starts playing like recorder and stuff in school. So I started doing that, but then I started playing piano like really early. Um so I'm around them times. Um but the trumpet isn't even my first instrument. I picked that up later. Um so I started playing piano when I was younger and then when I was around ten years old, um I saw a great uh, South African trumpet player, he's passed away now, called Hugh Masakela. Ah, legend. Yeah, legend, legend. And he performed at the I think I think it was a Royal Festival Hall, but I was like ten years old, so I don't even remember um, exactly where it was. But I remember seeing that performance, and it was like the first time I had seen like the trumpet live, or well, well, he played flugelhorn, but it's a similar instrument. But um, the, it was the first time I saw it live, and I was like, "Rah, this is mad!" Like the, like the energy it had. It, I don't know at that age, it just it just it was it was drawing me to it. So then as soon as I finished that concert, I was like, mom, I want to start playing trumpet. And then in her head, she's probably thinking, oh my gosh, the neighbors are never gonna, <laughs> never, gonna never gonna give us anything good after this. But yeah, so I started playing trumpet after that. And then, yeah, man, the, the rest is history, long story short. But yeah, we, we after when I, after that, I just did like music lessons in school, music lessons on Saturdays, um, kept on doing it. And you know, fast forward and here we are kind of thing.
1: Did you always know that you wanted to be a musician?
0: Um, did you have different ambitions? Music was always the main one, to be fair. Like my, like when I was younger, my schedule was like Monday to Friday school, Saturday music school, Sunday church. That was basically where it was. So it was like, you know, play football here and there, but you know, it was never like, oh, you know, try to be a footballer and a musician or something like that. Music was always kind of the main thing, you know, I have Nigerian parents, so obviously they're like, ah, it's not a proper job now, go and do, 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 do <laughs> like this, but, you know, they start to relax after a while. So, yeah, music was always the main, the main one, so.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Sweet. your mum took you to that Hugh show, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, how important were, were your parents and in you oh, becoming the person you are today? Yeah,
0: honestly, like, literally, and it's, and it's funny that you say that, because the older I get, the more I realise how much they had the impact on me when I was younger. Well, obviously, when you're younger, you don't really realise. It's like, my mom, like, actually, no, my dad would always play um felakuti all the time in the house. Oh, all the legend. time. Like, his ringtone was water Nugget Enemy. Yes. So yeah. I remember always hearing this song, like, why is this your ringtone? <laughs> and then I heard it one time when I was out, and I was like, oh, so this is what this is. So, yeah. So, like, from early, like, I was ex- exposed to sounds like uh, Fela Kuti, King Sonny Ade, Yinka Ifele, you know, all, like, the Fuji music, um, like, Bare Nigerian Gospel Praise, um you know when you go to nigerian parties and stuff you hear the whiz kids and everything mm-hmm. so like that music was always around me at like a, quite a young age so it's kind of it's kind of when i was i was thinking about this recently it's kind of come full circle you know So some of the people i've worked with now and some of the people i listened to when i was growing up you know it's the same and so, so that's why i was realizing how much of an impact they had on me when i was when i was that age so yeah
1: it's quite interesting how when you're young you soak up so much and you don't yeah. even realise it till later. Yeah. Because I feel like that's why I love some music so much as well. Like yeah. my parents, my dad was a DJ. Okay. So sick. he was always the one at the parties spinning music. So yeah, he'd play yeah. I'm from Ghana. He'll okay. play like the Ghana High Life. Yeah, them choosing yeah, yeah. It the, the adults love it. Yeah. And then he'll put Indeed. on he had like the Ghana High Life, then he'll play like the the eighties, nineties kinda the eighties yeah. kinda disco funk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. my mum was into like her nineties R and B. okay. So bruh. growing up, yeah, and then there's gospel playing all the time as well. But growing up this is is the music i was exposed yeah. to all the time yeah and now that i grow up people say i've got like an old man music taste well
0: because of <laughs> that yeah, this, yeah, is yeah. What, this is what
1: i like listening to yeah, like yeah. Listening to it, it makes sense
0: we just soak it up in it and then you yeah and it just yeah. it forms your personality it forms everything you know and like yeah it just it, i think i think i'm kind of still i've got like an old man's <laughs> music taste compared mm-hmm. to the people like that around my age that, that they listen to now but it's just like i kind of approach music in a different way from a lot of people my age I think so, at least. So because of that, you know what I mean.
1: So when did um, the music really begin to take off oh, for you? Um
0: uh, when did it? In my in my recent memory, because I kind of it all gets a bit um, messy. I can't remember everything, but <laughs> what I remember quite vividly was twenty eighteen was quite like a big year. I was just like, okay, oh, I guess I'm a professional musician now, kind of thing. So I started playing in twenty eighteen. Uh, with um, a drummer called Moses Boyd, um, he's an amazing drummer from South London, uh, in that kind of like UK jazz kind of vibe. Um, he had known me through this Saturday music school called Tomorrow's Warriors, um, which basically teach young black pe- people and uh, have an emphasis on young girls as well, learning jazz music. Um, so I used to go attend there on Saturdays. And um, he also attended there, but he's older than me. So he, he wasn't there when I was when I was there, but he knew of me from being in that bubble. Um, so yeah, he called me to play with his band and that was like the first like, okay, I've got a gig. Yeah. Like, I've been doing like, cause I, it's basically freelance work. So I've been playing with a bunch of b- different people here and there, but that was like the first like, you know, I was like in his band for a minute. So he like mentored me and like, cause I was quite young then and brought me up and it was like, yeah, man, this was fun. He taught me, we did our first gig in Cheltenham, Cheltenham Jazz Festival. Um, we did some gigs in France. We did some gigs in, I believe it was Italy or something. We did some festivals in UK. Um, and yeah, man, uh, still to this day, I talk to Moses all the time. But yeah, man, it's like, he, he proper like helped me get up when I was, when I was younger. Mm. Um, as well as that, I played with um, Dele Susimi. Um He played keyboard for Fella Cuti actually. Wow. So it was like, that was that was a bit mad for me when I did that. I was like, I was like to my, my mom and dad, like, Take this. Out, I'm playing with Dele to and it's like he's that. It's like he played Keyboard for. Your fella, dad fella must keepers. have been. Gassed. Yeah, it was just like they came to the show, and it was like it was sick. So I was playing with him for like a good while. We did like shows at Jazz Cafe, um, a bunch of different shows, different festivals. But that was fun because it was just nice to play like Afrobeat and play Fella's music as well. You know, from growing up listening to that to actually playing it with somebody who played with Fella. So yeah, that was that was a great experience for me as well. Um, so yeah, those are like the main ones that I was doing around that time in 2018. Mm. And then from then on, it just kept on kept on rolling and rolling and rolling. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So when did you go from performing with like Moses, um, and I forgot the name of the keyboard. Uh, Dele Susimi. D- uh, Dele. Dele. When yeah. did you go from performing with like Dele and Moses so and maybe some other freelance gigs to
0: yeah. to Ezra? To Ezra. So Ezra started in 2019. Um. So in 2019, that was the first time. So I had known Femi. Femi's the band leader, the drummer for Ezra Collective. I would known him through Tomorrow's Warriors as well, actually. And another organization called Kinetica Blocker, which is like a summer school, uh, again, focused on just teaching um, young kids horns and drums and teaching them all about cool music. Um, But yeah, so I'd met Femi when I was like 14. um, But I hadn't been, I wasn't a part of Ezra then. I only started playing with him in 2019. um, And we did our first tour in, yeah, in March 2019. Um, He called me and was just like, yo, are you free? Um, doing a come and play with us in America. So we did our, that was my first time going to America touring. I'd been there before like on holi- well, holidays or whatever, but um, I never toured there. So it was like our first one, I was like, wow. I felt like, I, yeah, this. I've made it. <laughs> Even though we definitely had not made it, but it was just like, it was like sick, just being like, yeah, going to LA, New York. Yeah, I'm touring with the boys. It was fun, it was fun. Um, so yeah, we started touring with them from 2019. And after that, yeah, we did like festivals. We started off at All Points East, as I said earlier, and then did a bunch of different festivals: Glastonbury, Green Man Festival, loads of festivals that year. Um, and I've literally been playing with them ever since.
1: Yeah, so that thousand nineteen tour, mm. and then all these other shows and festivals you've been doing in that yeah. time was that was all under the Ezra name, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's um, so Ezra's a five piece band, a jazz free beat band. Um, and yeah it's, it's, that's Ezra so it was an Ezra collective North American tour this is Ezra at Glastonbury Ezra at this so yeah
1: because yeah. I asked, yeah because I'm wondering was Ezra a thing before did you join like, after it already formed or yeah like? so I think How do you like go from 2019 forming a band to tour the yeah. US oh no yeah so
0: Ezra was <laughs> yeah. already a thing from ages ago like so I think Ezra uh, wait it might have been it was t- our 10 year anniversary was it this year or last year I can't remember it was recently been 10 years I think um, so they had been going way before I joined um, so even prior to when I joined I think 2018 they had played Islington Assembly Hall in um, well in London uh, and they had you know made songs with Georgia Smith, Loyal Connor. Um so they were already like rolling like it was already big but I just joined in 2019 right. um, later because um, they were just looking for a new trumpet player to come and join so yeah so I, I came in and yeah just kept kept the ball rolling and and here we
1: are nice and then you come from another us tour a few weeks ago as well yeah
0: so we just finished um we toured um europe and uk in february and then we did a a tour of asia in march and then just finished our us tour um in april and yeah we just now we're just preparing for festival season so yeah
1: Nice. right what's been your favorite show Ooh. On because we these different tours, Asia, Asia. What was that like? That must have been that very amazing. Different man. was it the first time you've toured Asia?
0: No, it was our second time touring there. Actually, we toured there in <laughs> we toured there in twenty twenty, right before the pandemic. Like <laughs> <timing>. I thought, <laughs> when I say right before the pandemic, I mean right before the <laughs> pandemic. As in, after that tour, I came home, and the day after was when lockdown happened, wow! Like literally, like places were getting shut down as we were leaving them on that tour. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> we, so yeah, it was it was fun, but um. Yeah, no, Asia is amazing. Like, we played in Osaka, we played in Tokyo, played in Thailand, um, played in Hong Kong. Um, Yeah, man, it's just people out there really love jazz music and really like our music. And it's just mad seeing different people from different cultures, you know, listening to our music. And it's kind of liberating because, obviously, it's all instrumental music, so we don't have lyrics. So, it's like, when you're in a different country, there's not that awkwardness of, oh, they don't speak English or whatever, because it doesn't matter, because there's no lyrics. So... Yeah, it's always nice to see different people from different cultures vibing with our music, so,
1: yeah. What's been your favourite show you've done?
0: Of that tour, or well, favourite show of the tour we've done this year? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we did a sick show in Brussels, AB in Brussels. That was a good show. Um, we played, um, um, what's it called? Hammersmith, um, Hammersmith, is it Apollo? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we played there, that was our London show. Um which was really yeah, that was a great show, man. And it was a massive massive like um marker for us. It was like six thousand people in London that we can play to as instrumental music, which is like jazz music, which is like niche, whatever. It was like that was a big moment. So yeah, man, that was that was another highlight of the tour. I don't I don't know if I have like a favourite show, but there's different favourite moments. Yeah. Yeah, so those are some of the the, the favourite moments of those tours.
1: That Apollo, is that is that the biggest show you guys have done?
0: That's yeah, that's the biggest headline show we've done today.
1: What was that like?
0: It was it was you know what it was? It was it was interesting and I was talking to the boys about this because it was a massive occasion, but at the same time it didn't feel different to the rest of the tour, which is a good thing because a lot of times on tour you can be like Oh, uh, you know Manchester, uh, Liverpool, not in them. Oh, London show. All right, time to go. But it was like more. It was this time. It was more like we had given every show on that tour our all. So when it came to London, it was just okay. Another day, give it your all. You know, rather than like okay, fifty percent energy, and then London show. Now let's give it a hundred. So it was an amazing occasion. And it's just after that, at that point in the tour, because it's the last show of the tour, it's just nice to see familiar faces in the audience. Like you're yeah. home now, you know, my mum and dad are up in the top, you know, you <laughs> can see a couple friends in the bottom. So it's just like, it's always a nice like homecoming after the end of the tour to just come to London and, you know, just play in front of your friends and family, really and truly. And a bunch of other people that you don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. But hey, yeah. What's
1: that, that tour life like?
0: Is yeah, it- man, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people have like, like wrong opinions of what they think touring <laughs> is. They feel like, oh yeah, private jets, do this, us. you don't know. It's a bunch of like service stations and long drives, <laughs> man. But um, now tour life is amazing. Like it's, it's tough. It is tough because it's a lot of like, if, if I break it down, you basically do a show. Then the way we did it, we did a show and then you sleep on the tour bus. As you're sleeping, you're driving to the next place. So then you wake up in your next destination and then, you know, shower, whatever, do another show, then, then drive to the next place. So there's a lot of traveling um, and it can get quite tiring, but at the same time, when you walk out on stage and you see people like, you know, that are so grateful and have bought tickets to watch you perform, it's just like, it's, it's a different kind of feeling. You just feel grateful, you know, you just feel grateful, like, wow, this is, this is mad. Like, why are you paying money to see me? <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. And then as an individual, <clears throat> well, you as an individual and also yeah. as a band, but when I'm looking into your background, I see you've got like a number of different, like a few different standout moments. So mm. there's a, so one of them I saw would be the, like the touring, yeah. the US tours, the Glastonbury's, that yeah. kind of thing. Another one, which was quite recent, you've played with and collaborated with, quite some big global some <laughs> yeah. global artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I just pinched myself recently, I was just like, right, it was actually yeah. me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like recently you was on WizKids album on Yeah, a couple, on, yeah man. on a couple of these tracks.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was a surreal moment, man. That was <laughs> that was actually <laughs> nice. Um yeah, how that came about, um P2J, who's um, a, a, with his producer.
1: P, P2J is a gram legend. Man, he's, uh, hands in the air. But, been, <laughs> but this is <laughs> what
0: I'm saying. He's been doing everything from time. He, but he's af- evolved, though, from that yeah. to, to the Afrobeats. I remember ages ago, like, maybe it was like 2010, he was doing um, he made a beat for Don't Jealous Me for one of his songs that he was doing back then. And it's just sure. like mad that he's gone all the way from there. The to transition, now. wow. Yeah, man. And it's good. It's finally good to see him get his flowers, man. Yeah. You know, because he's such a talented and skilled producer, man. So... Yeah. Yeah, so he was he was making it was in the process of making Wizzy's album. Um, I think they were they were they were quite free like they'd done majority of the work on it, um, but he just wanted to add some extra you know sprinkles on top of a couple of tracks. Um, so he was looking for a trumpet player. Um, so I think he put it on his Instagram or whatever. But I'd actually met him um, through a mutual friend called Gaten, who's another producer um, at Gayton's birthday. Um, so Gayton kind of hooked it up and put me in touch. Um, and yeah, got to the he said okay pull up to the studio. Um, Wiz likes to work late. It's always late studio sessions. <laughs> what We're time? like oh they could. I think I got there at 11 p.m. Yeah. or something like that. I probably didn't leave till like four or five in the morning. Wow. Um, but um, yeah, so I pulled up to the studio, and I didn't. He, he PTJ didn't actually tell me who it was for. He just said I need a ah. trumpet player for a studio session. So I said um, yeah, I'm free. So yeah, he told me you, pull you up. I didn't even know what to expect. I didn't know. I didn't know who it was. I didn't. I hadn't heard the track. I did not anything. I didn't even yeah. know it was with, with Wiz at this point. So, came to the studio, walked in, and it was all dark, and I saw a couple of brothers in the room, so I'm just going around saying, hello, 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 hello. I sat down now, I looked up, and I was like, wait, bro, that's wicked!" <laughs> and I was just like, mad. And then, yeah, PJ said, to you, all right, let me play you the beat. I heard the beat, and I was like, okay, cool, we're in. And that was Money and Love, um, the first track on mm-hmm. Wizards album. So, yeah, we, just, we did that, um, recorded some parts on that. Um, and then, it was later on, maybe a couple... Um, weeks or a couple months no probably a month later PG said come back because he wanted me to do another um, record some more on another track on Frames so I'm on the first track of his album and the last track of his album um, and yeah man that's is it's a crazy moment man um, because yeah as I said I have actually growing up listening to Wiz's music like you know a Pullover whatever mm. a remote, oh, uh, yeah. no, <laughs> I Remo the list can go on Don't do. Yeah. I remember Don't do all my days I remember when I first heard that song I was in the barbers and I was like, <laughs> that, that was like, when I was younger, they was always playing this song and I was like, I was like to my dad, what song is this? And he was just like, ah, oh, it's whiskey." I said, cool. And then when I heard it later, I was just like, ah, okay, I understand.
1: But yeah, man. Did he record that in London? Uh, uh,
0: the so His it, album?
1: Yeah, was it all recording in London? Um, I believe
0: the a, lot, the, a lot of it was recorded. in so London. So like your,
1: your stuff was in here in the UK? Yeah, yeah, was okay. that,
0: was, that was in the UK.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, man, it's, it was an amazing experience. And then from then on, um, after that studio session, Wiz asked me, oh, I've got some shows coming up. Um, I want some horns for the shows. So he was asking me if I'm free to do the shows. And I was like, yeah, of course. So then that's how I ended up touring with Wiz as well for a bit. Um, that was towards the end of last year that we did a oh, few oh, shows. So that,
1: was that off the back of his last album then you were touring with him?
0: Yeah, so we did a studio session. Um, how did it happen again? Yeah, so we did the studio session. And then during that session, he was like, yeah, I want some horns for my shows. Because he, he had a show in toronto coming up he had um toronto he had amsterdam paris um he had something to. he had a roundhouse show in london um and then he had uh, madison square garden in new york which was mad as well so yeah, his yeah. shows must be nuts yeah they're crazy they're <laughs> actually crazy like like because has got such a mad catalogue like it's, his yeah. catalogue is crazy he could do a show for three hours four hours if he wanted to which it was mm. like so we actually had to like like play half of songs just so we could get through <laughs> you know enough of the bangers yeah. like oh man like you don't want to do a back to back with Wiz
1: I'm telling you man. yeah you know whenever whenever um, the family get together yeah, yeah, yeah we always have this the debate the Wizkid and um, Burner Boy oh uh, yeah the classic the classic debate yeah but then the thing with Wizkid is what you can't deny is that he's got that long he's been around for so long he's and so he's been long top of the game yeah. from like when he first entered it's crazy for so long yeah and, and it's like any that,
0: Nigerian party it's, you will hear kid there. Like yeah. anything yeah. anything so yeah no he's been doing his thing for time I mean bernard has been doing his thing for time as well but it's just like like with his catalogue he's it's just it's, it's it is long
1: crazy. It's it long. Is crazy yeah what's it like, in the studio I've always said like um, I've never seen, been in a studio session like that like yeah. when when you know like when um, when you know like a, a banger like the, the tune has been made like, yeah like, uh, what's the vibe like for example you've done the first track yeah What was it Money in yeah, Love yeah
0: Money in Love yeah but, so when I got there, like the beat, like Wizards vocals were already there. A lot of it was already made. So I was more doing my trumpet on top. So when I first heard it, I was just like, okay, yeah, this tune is hard. Like I can just, you, know, you when you listen to it, if you like the song, you like the song and you just know, yeah, this mm-hmm. is, this is a tune, man. So yeah, you can kind of, I don't, I mean, I, I could tell that one was a banger.
1: Um, it's like one of the ones where everyone in the studio is like, okay, yeah, yeah, right, yeah this yeah.
0: one. Even I remember at that point he had played me, um, us uh, out now, so I can actually say this, but yeah, um, I heard the other songs on the album before they were released, like stuff like um, uh, the song with Skepta and Naira Marley on that album. Yeah. When I heard that, I lost my mind as well.
1: Yeah. And
0: that was that was hard as well. And then the one with Skilly Bang and Shenseea as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man. You when you hear it, you got the vibe. If you like the song, you like the song, and that's that's how you know if it's a banger or not, really.
1: What do you do? You just like listen to the beat and just freestyle over the top?
0: Yeah, so in terms of like when they asked me, okay, yeah, I want you to play on this track. It's more like, so I listened to it so I can understand. After I stopped, in, after, okay, after I calmed down a bit that I was in the whiskey session, <laughs> I didn't start listening. Okay, let me let me do some work. Yeah. So um so yeah, when I when they asked me to like p- play some trumpet on the song, I listened to the beat, try to understand it, try and listen to where the pockets are because at the same time, I'm freestyling, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be part of the composition. So you gotta think in like a like an orchestra, orchestrative mindset kind of way. So you trying to hit the pockets of like, okay, this could fit there, oh he's singing there, so I don't wanna play on top of him there, kind of thing, you got know what I mean? So you just find the pockets where you think you can do a little something and then when you go into the booth you just kind of like you just try and find your way around the tune, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, those are the kind of things I'm looking out for when I'm doing them kind of sessions, so
1: yeah. So is that like generally your creative process? Like for example, I know today you said you had a writing session. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. you guys don't have lyrics. Yeah, in music. So exactly. So it's like so a, a vibe session kind of thing.
0: Or yeah, so it's, it's different depending on who I'm working with, man. Like it's like, cause if I'm working with Wiz, it's a completely different thing from working with Ezra. So like the writing session, the writing process for Ezra is very different where you know, we kind of like, we all kind of bring an idea to the table and then we all sit down, the five of us together, and then add our own. Say, for example, if I bring, okay, here's like a little demo of a track that I've I've made, then Femi will be like, oh, this drum beat's hard, but let me add this to the drum beat because I think it'll make it better. Or TJ, he's the bass player, who will be like, oh, the, the bass line's hard, but let me add this to the bass line to make it even better. So everyone can add a little sprinkle on top, you know, because, you know, that's the, that's the benefit of having a band, you know. You've got five members that come together to make one sound, whereas where, when I'm work, working for Wiz or for you know when I'm producing with Jules, work, working with Jules on tunes or working with other people, it's like it's the producers made the beat and I need to play this on top of it, or it could be like oh let's make a beat together. So you know there's been times this I've been in the studio with Jules who'll make a beat and then my trumpet is like the first thing that kicks off um, the rhythm. So it's it's a different process um with as as specifically opposed to other things. But yeah, it's always it's always it's always an interesting experience.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it, man. For yeah, sure. yeah,
0: it's a, yeah. it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then so when I was talking about with you on as an individual, we've got these um what I say three major things anyway. Yeah. Three kind of major, you know, peaks, I would say. Yeah. Like, so one was the tour in the, the Glastonbury series, yeah, etc. Okay. The second was this whisker thing mm-hmm. that I saw recently, yeah. and the other one was the Mobo. Yeah. From, I've got it written down, what exactly it was. It was last year, it was, uh, I didn't write exactly where it was, but 2022, you guys won a MOBO. With Ezra, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was, that was an interesting experience as well, because um, funny enough, I think Ezra, we really wanted the MOBO. We really wanted the MOBO award, just because, you know, it's not that we care too much about, you know, the accolades, because really and truly, we, honestly, we care more about the music. Like, performing and just making good music is really at the forefront of, on our minds. But, you know, just what the Mobos represent and being, you know, at the end of the day, the Mobos represents, in my opinion, you know, black music, black culture, you know, jazz is such a big part of black culture, such as Afrobeats, such as hip hop, such as gram. you know what I mean? So it's nice to be, you know, represented um, alongside all those other, you know, fields, you know what I mean?
1: What was the feeling when you, did you expect to win?
0: Um, no, nah, I don't think we expected to win. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, we didn't actually expect to win. So when we, <laughs> we were actually just more surprised, it was like, right. But it was, it was a mixed feeling because it was like really grateful I had to win as well, but I was just like, at the same time, you know, you know, let's not focus, at the end of the day, the focus is still the music. You know, at the end of the day, the music is what allowed us to win that and the music is what's got us to where we are. So, you know, it's very easy with like awards to be like, oh, I want to make six music so I can win a Grammy or win this or win this. And it's like, that's actually counterproductive. You know, the way it should be is the greatest music that people that focus on the music, that's when, when they win these awards. And it's not because they're trying to win the awards, it's because they're trying to make good music.
1: Yeah, it's like, don't lose sight of yeah, what of, got you there in the yeah. first place. Don't lose sight of m- trying to make amazing, good music. Exactly,
0: that's the yeah. main most important thing. At the end of the day, if I had to pick, you know, if I had to pick, you know, Headline Glastonbury or win a Grammy, I'd pick Headline Glastonbury, really and truly. Mm. That's, a, that's a memory that would stay with me much longer I've been fond of my heart, of than winning an award. An award mm. would be great on a shelf, Mm. But, you know, that's a memory, that's something that I've, you know, you know you're, you're sharing, a live, a live show is an experience with people, you know what I mean? So you're sharing the experience with people. That, and the, the amount of times I've been on tour it's just like, people come back to me afterwards and be like, oh, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. It was an amazing show, it was an amazing experience. And it's, it's mad that something I've done has now given them a lifelong experience that they can remember. So that I think that's a lot more precious to me personally.
1: Yeah, that's so, it, man. Yeah. Uh, what role has failure played in the person you are today?
0: Oh, failure! If it has played a role, uh, um, I guess. I guess I don't think I've I've failed at um, things, but there's definitely things where I wanted to go for it and it hasn't happened first time, or like you know, I, I guess an example like say for example if, if someone um, if if someone does a track. For example, okay, say if um, P2J, when he, when he was looking for a trumpet player for those sessions, say, for example, he found someone else rather than me. In my head, I would I'd have thought in my head, oh, so what could I have done better to try and, you know, get myself in them scenarios? Or should I have networks better? Should I have a bigger social media so people understand who I am? So I guess it's more just like learning opportunities or like, um, okay, this is a good example, actually. Um, there was a show we did with Ezra, um, it was it was in Troxy. Um, I think it was in 2022 or 2021, maybe actually. And the um, the front of our speakers um, broke halfway through the gig. Well, right. I think it was it was either that or the sound desk like rebooted during the gig. So basically, we started we were playing and we were in the middle of a song and nobody could hear anything in the audience. So then we basically came off stage and came back on um, whilst they fixed the problem. Um, and then in that moment, you can kind of think like, oh, the gig's ruined. You know, the whole momentum of the gig is thrown off. You know, but if you let that get to you, you know, you still got, this has happened early in the set. We had an hour set. This was probably a minute 15 that this whole thing cut off. So we came back on stage and we still got what, like 45 minutes left to play. And if that's in the back of your mind thinking, ah, oh, the gig's done, you know, we should have fixed the sound before the show, da 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 then, you know, you're just gonna kill the rest of 45 minutes. Um, and it was funny enough cause the people in the crowd, they didn't really care. You know, they were just excited to see us come back on and finish the rest of the set. But in your head, you're like, you know, uh, it can get to you, you know, the pressure of, you know, being on stage and you can feel a bit embarrassed, like you're playing and nobody can hear you, you know, that, that can get to you. So you've got to kind of like, I guess, things with like failure where you are and not things not happening the first time or things not happening the way you want them to. You just, one, you've got to find avenues, you know, okay, learning opportunities. Why did this not happen? How can I improve on it? How can I eventually then get what I'm trying to get? And then I always think of anything that didn't happen my way or anything. That didn't happen for me. I always try and learn. Okay, why did that not happen? And just try and try and correct it. Really, I'm kind of like not that I like problem solving, but it's always it's always a nice way to think of. I'm an optimist at heart. I think so. If it's like if it's like okay, I've got to reach this train. I've got a train to get at two p.m. and it's one fifty-five, and the journey's ten minutes. I'll think okay how can I, I can run there and get there in five <laughs> minutes rather than get an Uber if it's that's going to be quicker. I'm always optimistic, like, how can I fix this? That's that's always my mindset with things. So, yeah.
1: I think it's an important mindset to have. I think yeah. to be successful in yeah. whatever field you're in, I feel yeah. like you've got to have, you've got to tend more towards that kind of an yeah. mindset.
0: Because, you know, especially in like this creative mindset, nobody really cares about you until they do, if mm. that makes sense. Nobody, nobody, nobody would care about Skepta until he became Skepta. Nobody cares about, um, you know, and a Beyonce until she's Beyonce, if you get what I mean, like, so you've kind of got to make it yourself until people are then ready to give you a helping hand. It's quite rare in, well, at least from what I've seen, people are ready to give you a helping hand from the get-go, you know what I mean? And if they do, those are the kind of people you should the first of their life because they've they've seen something in you from early, you know, and, and was willing to nurture it. But a lot of it's like a mentality of, you've got to get it yourself, you know what I mean?
1: With you, so, and you, on your come up, before you joined Ezra, you had a um, couple people you worked with and that kind of thing. What do you mm. feel put, set you apart from all the other creators who are trying to make your music as well? Um, that p- allowed people to even take you on board and yeah. work with you? Um,
0: I think, I think one of the things specifically with music was that I had quite a ri- wide range of things I was able to do. So I had a quite a... So I had quite a, a wide skill set so I could like for example I listen to a lot of different styles of music which is a big thing in music like you know a lot of people be like okay I'm a gram rapper all I listen to is gram. it's like well you know you're going to be limited to all these other great genres that you could draw influences from so you know I've always been into you know I'm Nigerian so Afrobeats was always you know at the heart but you know obviously I play jazz music I love hip hop love R&B love reggae love bashment love you know, Calypso, Soka, blah, 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 blah. So whenever people are asking me um, to do a certain gig or something, it's just like, oh, but can he play reggae? Can he play hip hop? Can he play classical music? Can he play jazz? And it's like, because I listen to all these different styles of music, I can. So essentially it makes you more employable, basically. You know, if like, there's been times I've been in the studio with with Jules and um, he's gone in and obviously he makes like Afro beats and, and all the different stuff, but he's made like hip hop tracks. He's made like, um reggae tracks and if i if i don't listen to that kind of music or don't have an understanding of how that music is meant to sound i can't i'd have to be like yo i can't play on this track because i don't understand it it wouldn't work you know what i mean so basically the more the more things you expose yourself to the more you know well versed you're going to be when you enter different environments so that that's that's one thing that's helped me when i was coming up is that you know i could i was able to be called for a lot of different opportunities so i think that's one of the big things that helped
1: no, for sure. I definitely agree with that exposure yeah. as well. I think you've got yeah. a, I, th- I feel it's very important to try um, a lot of different things. Yeah. Try a lot of different things and then from there, even if you don't end up going down one path, you can take bits from here, take bits from 100%. there, take bits from there, take it down whatever path you end up going down, and yeah. you'll be a much more, a better, well-rounded person. Yeah, for it. it's,
0: it's important. It's very important. And it just helps you, you know, the more things you learn from something else, it actually helps you in another field. And that's that's just life, really and truly. You know, the, the more, yeah. Yeah, it's just the more you the more you learn from every, everything's a learning experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, outside of music, yeah. uh, what are you passionate about?
0: Uh, well, I'm passionate about. Uh, I've been playing football a lot recently, <laughs> I just, yeah. Yeah. but I'm not. I'm not actually a diehard football fan in terms of like teams. i more mm. enjoy playing it rather than watching it. Um, so. I loosely support Chelsea. <laughs> I say that right now because they're not they're not doing great. If, if they're top of the league. Uh, <laughs> him. Well, I'm in love with Man City at the moment, but <laughs> I don't know about Chelsea, but yeah, football football is something um uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot more recently. Um what else? I kind of lie, a lot of my time is just music, man. Um aside from playing trumpet, I've i I've gone into DJing a lot more. Um mm. I enjoy DJing a lot, like like just going, like, I just, it's I think it's come from a f- place of like, if I go to a party and I don't like the music they're playing, I want to be in control. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me start DJing, then you are in control. Um, so yeah, I started doing that in the pandemic as just like a, you know, well, everyone's got so much spare time now, what's a new skill I can learn? So I started DJing, that was, that was fun. Um, but yeah, a lot of things, a lot of my time is just taken up by music really. And if it's not music, it's music related things.
1: It's quite interesting yeah. you say that because you no, know, obviously before we started recording, yeah. <clears throat> you said that you spent the day on doing a music uh, writing session. That was it, yeah. And then you're sound like you're doing music all the time, basically yeah. Touring, playing yeah. all the time, like music's in your mind, and yeah. You literally branching into other things and DJing, etc., etc. Yeah. Do you feel like have do you need to have that kind of a like an obsession with your craft, like do you, do uh, you know what I'm know. saying, to in order to really yeah. thrive?
0: I would say I would say obs- I would say passion rather than obsession. Because the reason I say that is you definitely need to be passionate um, because if you're not passionate about it, if you're not passionate about yourself, who's going to be passionate for you? You know what I mean? So, you know, if you want to do something, especially something that's creative, you've got to be, you know, you've got you've to have, have the confidence to be like, yeah, this is the thing. I'm the guy. I can do this. But also the humility to be like, let me learn from all the people that are around me and come before me so I can develop my own craft but then there's also you know a healthy relationship with it where you know you don't need to become this thing of, of of like it takes over your whole life like it's quite a common thing in like jazz music where you know you hear these stories of like Miles Davis or John Coltrane or whoever you know spending 7 hours practicing alone in the room their saxophone and personally I don't do that you know like I can I can't I'll lose my mind but it's just like to me that's obsessive and you can lose touch of you can you can easily lose the touch of reality when you spend that much time you know focusing on your craft about interacting with, with you know the world around you. You know I think especially with music, music music is about life really and truly. It's about the moments and interactions that you share with people. So if you are spending all your time you know making beats or practicing your instrument, but you're not out there you know meeting your friends or experiencing life, it will have an impact on your music. You'll be te- you'll be technically great at making beats and being an instrument but you won't be able to connect to people on that emotional level because you haven't experienced life in that way. So that's why I always say there's a passion, but, you know, at the same time, live your life, you know. Go out and the weekend, see your friends, chop your love, you
1: know, do whatever whatever you want to do, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I really like the way you phrase that, actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what you say, that music is, um, it's, it's sort of like it's a collaborative thing as well. You've got to be able to connect with the people that you're, that you're wanted to perform or play with. Mm. Um, it reminded me of was loosely similar but there's an, a jazz musician who is it I, the name has escaped me right now you might maybe you might be familiar okay. um, but he talks about so someone basically tried to play his exact tune
0: yeah
1: um, note for note and they got it right like note for note it was perfect yeah, yeah. and the guy was like nah he said yeah, nah. and they were like, "What's wrong?" He said, um, "Something like you're missing the blue note. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blue, It's not the same. Yeah, you're not playing it the same way I play. Yeah, played, it's not. You've got a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah It's it's, it's important. It's important.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like because it's 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 right technically. It's right on paper, you know. But it's not. It's it didn't it didn't hit you the same way that it did when he played it originally. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's that's what music is for me. It's like how what impact does it have on you? You know what I mean?" It's not like, does it sound good? Did these notes work with these notes? It's like, what effect did, they ha- did it have on you? You know what I mean? Mm. Even if it's just a beat. The, if, if you're hearing a beat and it's not making you move, then to me, that's not a beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you need to, at least a little head nod, you know what I mean? Yeah. When you hear <laughs> a beat, like... That's yes, the beautiful
1: obviously. thing about music, right? Like, me and my wife here, yeah, we always have mm. these. We have these like music sessions yeah. quite regularly. Okay. We'll be in the living room here, yeah, just put on YouTube on TV, yeah. and we like live music. Yeah, okay. So we're music. looking for like we like you know obviously the recorded stuff, yeah. yeah. But we're looking for that same track on YouTube. You want to hear it live, yeah? And see, it compare. Yeah. And most of the time, I say nine times out of ten, when you watch it live, yeah, yeah. you see the energy, you see the feeling, exactly. you feel it, man. You're like, yeah, yeah. it it's hits you, it hits you a lot more, man. Yeah. And then we got them songs. You just keep going back to the same one, yeah, same one, play it yeah. over and over again. But man. there's
0: a reason you do because there's there's an emotion attached to when you heard it. That's mm. what I'm saying. So when you when you when you hear those live performances and, and it's feeling you and you're sorry, you're feeling the music, the reason why you come back to it is because like you want to get that feeling again, you know what I mean? Rather than just being like, oh, okay, this is really good technically. You know what I mean? So yeah.
1: Is that what drives you to carry on to create and to yeah, yeah just carry on with the music? Is it to uh, that passion?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Like anytime when I'm writing music, performing music, I'm always thinking I'm always thinking from the listener's perspective as well as you know the creator's perspective. It's like, okay, this sounds good to me as a creator. It works technically as a creator, but you know, as a listener, is this moving me? Like I remember, um, I was making, I was making a tune one time, making a beat, and I wanted. I remember before I made it, I wanted to feel like I was on a beach in Ghana. I was in Ghana in uh, tw- like early December 2022. 20, uh, 20, yeah, just last year. Um, and I just had it was just a beautiful experience just being on the beach like the sun's there like Ghanaian beaches are amazing uh, so like I just wanted to have that feeling again so I wanted to make a song that gave me that life experience you know what I mean so it's always and when I'm playing live it's the same thing okay if I choose to play this note how's this going to make people feel what kind of impact it's going to have or if we're going to play this beat how's it going to make people feel are people going to dance people going to cry are people going to laugh people gonna, you know what I mean so it's always just like, you know, what what effect is this having on everyone
1: else? So yeah. Nice, man. Um, how do you see music, particularly the jazz scene? Mm. Uh, I guess that isn't as big right now. Mm. Well, Maybe it is, but just in my world. Maybe yeah. it's not <laughs> as big right now. I mean, um, when, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you compare it to, like, maybe Afrobeats and yeah. uh, rap hip-hop. But again, I my world's a bubble. It might no, not, you, it you, might you, not you be correct. You're right. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but how do you see, the, I don't know, do you see or envision that changing in the future? Uh, maybe based on your experience with Ezra? Yeah, man. Um,
0: I mean, yeah, I can't lie. From, from what we're doing, like, it's even exceeding my expectations. Like, playing, that's what I'm saying, playing um, Hammersmith of Entenmopolo... Um, which is a 6,000 roughly capacity venue for a jazz band was, like, mad. It was like, more time you'll be playing these small little jazz clubs, you know, underground places, you know, with, like, if you're lucky, 100 people there. You know, so we did, what? We did a madness. So, yeah, it, it, I guess it's just can keep growing, keep growing, and keep growing. And the day I see, like, a jazz band in the stadium, I'll be like, okay, wow. Now now we've got it somewhere. You know what I mean? So, um, but, yeah, I do think... I mean, yeah, Afrobeat is definitely, like, in fashion now. You know, there's a lot of people who don't make Afrobeat who have now started making Afrobeat because it's in fashion. <laughs> you know, you don't have to force it, but it is what it is. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, I think it's just good to see, you know, it's beautiful to see Afrobeat taking its, taking its shine, man, because at the end of the day, you know, Afrobeat is a very, very... Afrobeat, as a term, is a very broad genre, you know, because at the end of the day, you've got... You've got, you've got Afrobeat, which is like Fela Kuti. You've got Afrobeats, which is like Wizkid, Burner Boy. You've got Amma Piano in there. You've got, you know, Ghanaian High Life, which is Afrobeat. You've got Fuji music. You've got like Nigerian Gospel and Praise, which is still Afrobeats kind of on the subcategory. You got know what I mean? And it's the same thing with jazz. You've got like Swing, you've got like Bebop, you've got like New Orleans jazz, you've got like UK jazz as well, like Ezra and Nasty. Um, you know, you've got so many different things within these categories. So it's just nice to see all this music from different places getting it shine, really. And I'm always I'm always just a believer of good music will always find its way to good is. So there will always be an audience of people who like your music, if it's good, you know what I
1: mean? Yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, that's it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what it's about, man. Uh, what's next for you as an individual?
0: Um, So I'm releasing an EP, hopefully, at, towards the end of this year, Um, that's uh, under my own name. Um, so yeah just been working well it's actually finished but just working on the rollout of that Um, and yeah just doing more shows around that and getting some shows towards the end of the year and yeah just showcasing that really
1: nice and then to wrap up what advice would you give to anyone that's trying to succeed in their craft you're trying to drive a change in their life or in their community
0: Um, be disciplined be disciplined with yourself make sure make sure you educate yourself about all corners of your craft Whatever it is, you need to gain the knowledge so then the, you're able to use the knowledge for yourself to then better what you want to do. That's that's the best way I could put it. Educate yourself so that you can do what you want to do better. Uh, I think that's that's the biggest piece of advice. And don't be too hard on yourself, but don't give yourself an easy time at the same time. Push yourself, but then be kind to yourself. You know what I mean? And live your life. Don't get obsessed with just doing your work or, or doing your craft because your life experiences make your crafts better. I'm a big believer in that So go on your holidays And do what you need to do But you know i mean
1: yeah that's it man yeah and don't don't, you don't need to spend seven hours in your room trying. yeah but if you need to do that you need
0: to do that but at the same time spend seven hours chilling after or something (laughs) balance balance is a very important thing yeah so yeah
1: nice one man that's it man i appreciate you man. man. thank Thank you thank you for coming on man once again much appreciated man
0: i really enjoyed this honestly yeah
1: yeah i enjoyed having you on
0: yeah
1: Uh, if people want to keep up to date with yourself with ezra with just anything that you're working on how can they yeah. best do so
0: um, Instagram you can follow me on Instagram um, uh Twitter like that as well or my website um, Ezra Collective is the same thing Ezra Collective is on Instagram Twitter Facebook websites all the all the usual stuff
1: perfect so, yeah uh, a nice one then. have you got any final words you want to share or uh, no
0: nah, man just enjoy yourselves live your life <laughs> make sure you live your life <laughs> live it to the fullest
1: because life is short so yeah that's it, man. Enjoy yourself. Live your life. Good yeah. life for sure, But You heard it here. All right, cool. So yeah. thank you for coming on once again. Um, if you haven't, if you're listening in, if you haven't subscribed, please do subscribe, like, and share the podcast. It helps us to get these voices out as far and wide as possible. So please do like, share, subscribe. Leave us a comment or a review wherever you're listening to this as well. Like it helps immensely. We're trying to interview 1,000 Black British changemakers and that helps us immensely in getting these stories and far as far wide as possible. So please do. But that's that for now. Thank you for tuning in, people. We had Ife or Good Job, on the podcast. And for now, we're out.